Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television. Bass Edge Television is now on Wild TV in Canada and will soon be back on Versus on the Versus Network January of 2008. Outdoors Dan here. My co-host Aaron Martin is right here with me as well. Aaron, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. we got a good podcast this week. Andy Morgan from Dayton, Tennessee is going to be joining us, and I know you know Andy. Yes, he's a phenomenal angler, been with the FLW ever since it started back in 96, so he has a lot of great things to say. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And also, who doesn't need to know how to be covered especially when it comes to the outdoor pursuits. And we're going to get that answered, all the questions answered by Tim Bankston from Angler's Advantage Insurance. And I know you're looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. It's something I think we all take for granted. Well, there you go. Hey, and folks, don't forget, we're going to answer all the listener email questions we can and give away some great prizes to this week's lucky winner right here on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that something gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Where and I got to tell you, it's been like a month since i talked to you i mean we're both traveling so much and i gotta tell you you got some great news and i understand some congratulations need to go out yeah i mean there's a lot of exciting things i know jamie cyphers one of the legend pro staff members uh, all the way out west took third place out at the uh, the lake mead u.s open and i know he was certainly in contention to win that uh, but things didn't go his way he had the bites but it just didn't happen but still just a very very respectable finish as he is fourteen thousand five hundred dollars i think richer and then also james niggemeyer uh, for his recent eighth place finish out at uh, the toho uh, bass event that took place uh, a couple weeks ago oh, there you go you know there's just no justice tiger woods gets eight million dollars or ten million dollar annuity here are these guys who actually go out and work, and the only and the prize money just isn't right. Aaron. You know, it it is. It's heavily weighted, obviously, to uh, the first place finisher, and you know, really, you get inside that top ten, you're going to do okay. Uh, but it does taper off. But I really think, um, you know, that is that that's going to change. And I mean, you know, it's it's a while. This sport is pretty young yet. Uh, the good thing is that with what FLW is doing and BASS, and then, you know, kind of the new kid on the block is the uh, Professional Anglers Association, um, who really actually just announced that they're going to have their second event uh, that's coming up, the Toyota Texas Bass Classic on Lake Fork in Texas in April, and um, they're actually going to be giving away 250000 well, that's great. First place, yeah. You know, and there's some big stringers that come out of that lake too. I, I know I was talking to Gary Klein a few weeks ago, and he he wouldn't be surprised if the new world record didn't come out of Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's you know certainly that is a state that uh, continues to manage uh, for big fish, and and they've obviously got it right. I know now you know the state of Georgia is really doing the same thing. They just passed a huge bill that we are going to hear more about. Uh, concerning their share lunker slash trophy program that'll be coming out some of the things that they're doing with uh, the management both from the fish hatchery uh, then also just uh, improving fish habitat uh, a lot of good things so uh, you know i'm hoping it's really going to be something that's going to catch on but you're you're exactly right that is a that's a phenomenal fishery 
Yeah, and where are you at? Uh, I'm actually uh, in Lake Amstead <laughs> in Texas, practicing for uh, for the BASS Open. So I'm hoping uh, hoping to be able to reel in some dollars as we, as we speak here in the next couple of days, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So. Yeah. Hey, I got to tell you, I got to share this with you and the folks as well. You know, you and I talked several weeks ago when you had a really bad week of pre-fishing. You, know, you remember that when I uh, called yeah. you and asked oh, you yeah. how, yep. and you said you're lucky you didn't throw the phone in the water. <laughs> yeah. I, I just had the worst week of hunting for my TV show and, the, and my 22 years of bow hunting. So it actually, it's not just held captive to fishing. No, okay. I, I tell you what. I mean, one day, Aaron, it'd be 85 degrees. The next day, it'd be 45. And consistent 25 to 35 mile an hour wind oh, now goodness. when you're trying to bow hunt that's ridiculous yeah and yep. uh but you know we ended up getting a show done the last day but it took a lot of praying to the good lord above well, I tell you, you know it, it just was, goes to show you how those uh how the wildlife is impacted by you know by the weather yep so uh, did you do any fishing while you were there or were you too focused on trying to get that uh, i was just trying to you know what i am not actually going to get to do any fishing until i you're going to laugh until i start ice fishing this winter Ice fishing. Holy cow. <laughs> well, I'll be sure, and uh, I'm going to be talking to you from the warm uh, haunts of my, my studio when, whenever That's, that happens. Yeah, I think that would make an excellent addition of uh, bass edge. Oh, you it know? will. It will. I mean, I tell you, I know that, um, you know, in the north, I mean, that is just raved about. Quite honestly, I have not done it. I want to do that, and I think it's just, I think it would be a lot of fun. I Maybe never did it. Me out on one of those. I, I will do that. I never did it until I moved to Iowa from St. Louis. I mean, uh, you know, back home in St. Louis, we just don't do that. Right. right. You know, so it's just kind of crazy. But no, I'm focused on whitetails right now, at least till uh, the end of November. And then uh, I'm I've got a 180, a 200 inch deer spotted in some bean fields right now, and that's where my focus is. And it's kind of like you going after that 10 or 11 pound bass. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, the next our next guest is a huge bow hunter. Oh, Andy, I saw that. Yeah. He likes to relieve his fishing stress by bow hunting. That's right. I don't understand that because I get very stressed out bow hunting. <laughs> well, it's it's six and one, half a dozen the other. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side, I guess. Well, I hear you. Well, I tell you what, we need to take a short break. And when we come back, folks, you're going to hear from Andy and uh, some other great stuff right here on The Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge, and we are joined by FLW competitor from Dayton, Tennessee, Andy Morgan. Andy, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge today. Oh, man, glad to be here. You know, Andy, I always like to, to talk about how in the world that people got their start uh, in fishing, and I know, I think yours goes back quite a ways, is that right? Yeah, it does. I've, I've got quite a history. I started with the FLW tour back in '96 when they first started, and uh, it's uh, it's been a it's been a pretty good road. Yeah. And now, were you always in competition, or did it did you have your roots uh, elsewhere prior to that? You know, re really, my dad got me into fishing back at a, at a young age when I was probably you know five six years old, and we started competitive fishing, which are little evening tournaments and some Saturday tournaments back when I was. You know, 10, 11 years old, I've fished with my dad, so that kind of got the ball rolling. Yeah. 
Well, I know one of your strengths has always been, and, and kind of one of your preferences, um, is is flipping and pitching. And, you know, can you talk a little bit about that, but also key in, you know, there seems to be a little bit of disparity, uh, especially for beginning anglers, of what is the difference between flipping and pitching? Oh, you're basically flipping is what you, when you draw a line, well, I'm right-handed, so I draw a line with my left hand, you t- just take an underhand more or less a flip with the, with the rod, you know, from a da- downward angle to an upward angle. And it, you've got a pretty short distance there that, that you can actually reach when you're actually just drawing line out of the reel. So it's about a 20-feet deal. And anything much beyond 20 feet, you've got to use the pitching technique, which I use my left hand with that. And it's, it's kind of the same deal. You know, you take a, a downward angle, shift it upward in the bait, goes along kind of like a pendulum, but you actually spool the reel here. You're not drawing line out with your hand. You're actually spooling the reel, and you can get 30, 40, 50 feet at some time. So pretty much the difference is there between flipping and pitching is you, you're still very accurate with a pitch, but you get more distance. And w- normally, generically speaking, what, what would be the different applications of why you would select, say, flipping uh, that type of presentation over, what, over the pitch? It, it all depends on the cover there. If you're fishing thick matted grass and... You've got a lot of cover between you and the fish, and really doesn't matter on the water clarity at that point, which I'll kind of get to. If you've got a lot of cover between you and the fish, you can get by with the flipping technique. It's a little more accurate. You've got less line out, so you can handle that fish a lot easier. You've got less line. You can really wind him in, throw him in the boat. Uh, a pitching technique is where you have, you know, your cover's a little more sparse. Maybe the water's clean, and you need that extra distance, you know, to get more bites to kind of get you back away from your targets. And, you know, you have a little more line out, but you're still, you know, very agile in, in landing your fish. And then as far as, as terminal tackle, I mean, are you using the same rod and reel and line normally for both techniques? Yeah, for the most part, you know, in a lot of the grass situations, which a lot of guys down there you use braid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a lot of times, you know, I use fluorocarbon flipping. It's usually anywhere from a 20 to a 25-pound fluorocarbon on, on either flipping or pitching. Mm-hmm. And then what about as far as, you know, what's your go-to baits for, for flipping and pitching that you like to have most success with? You know, my, my favorite always has been a jig, of course, uh, is, a, is a War Eagle jig, which I've used for quite a while. Uh, but anymore, you know, we catch a lot more fish even on smaller jigs and, and a lot of plastics. Like a, a Zoom Super Hog, I've won a lot of money on a Zoom Super Hog here in the last few years. It's a little compact piece of plastic. and. You know, it seems like the smaller the bait anymore, the more bites you get pretty much anywhere we go. Sure, sure. And then, you know, as far as as, as weight or, um, you know, the, the size of the sinker that you're putting on there, do you often peg that or are you allowing that to slide up and down? And then what about as far as, you know, how heavy are you going? Right, well, it, it, again, depends on the cover you're fishing. A lot of times if I'm just fishing wood, uh, you know, slick logs, just some trees, some stumps, I do not peg my sinker. I kind of like this sinker to slide away from the bait every now and it gives it a little more added action, a little more noise that it makes down on the bottom. But you, when you get into a, a thicker type cover, thick bushes or, or grass, I always peg my sinker, and the thicker the cover, the heavier sinker that I use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you brought up a good point a while ago talking about the smaller the bait, it seems, anymore that, you know, the more bites 
that you get. How have you seen that change? Because, oh. uh, you know, over the years, I mean, always before it was always power fishing, bigger's better, and, you know, the, oh, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, the, the power fishing deal, you know, back then, just like you said, the bigger the bigger the better. You know, you had a big old jig with more or less a deflated football on the back, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> you had something great big on you. You'd hunt you four, five, six bites a day, and then you just go on down the road. But nowadays... I made the statement earlier here in a conversation that, man, you know, I've won a lot of probably, you know, most all of my money that I've won has been, you know, with a flipping rod and pitching, you know, pitching and flipping. Well, I had to back up. No, I've actually won more money on the spinning rod in my career, I guess, the last two years than I've won altogether. You know, it, it came around to that deal that, uh, that smaller is better. Mm-hmm. you got to go to these places and get more bites. And, 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 why? and that's how you make money. You've got to get enough bites to catch enough fish to make money. Sure. And and likewise, just for the non-competing angler that are that is out there, just recreationally speaking, um, that applies to them as well, right? Oh yes, yes. I, I mean, by the most part, yeah. If you're wanting to go out and catch a bunch of fish, you you know, a smaller bait and a smaller presentation, smaller line, you're going to catch more fish. Now, do you think that is is that because the fish are as, as anglers become more educated and and are really tapping in to get these fish to bite, as well as just the number. Of, of anglers on the water and the pressure, things like that. I mean, what do you think accounts for, for that transition? Uh, yes, I, I think it's better education on these anglers. I mean, there is better fishermen out there. Uh, say 15 years ago, we had a lot of people on our home lake fishing, probably more than we do now. And, man, you just caught them over and over and over. I mean, you big bags of fish. Well, it went downhill for a while. Well, now everybody's kind of picked back up on these finesse techniques. People are more educated and they know how to catch these fish better, and a lot more fish get caught nowadays. You know, we spend a lot of time here on the edge and, and through the television show talking about um, fishing to your strengths. And, you know, yeah. when when the chips are down, you know, always go to your strengths. And, and certainly I believe in that, but there's also a lot of, um, you know, warrants being diverse and, and being able to do several things. How big of a role does diversity play in, in your role as an angler? Oh, well, it, I tell you what, it, it plays a big difference. I mean, I made, I don't know, several championships in a row. And if I hadn't have picked up some of these smaller finesse-type techniques, there's no way that I'd have made these championships right here. I don't know how much, five or six in a row that I made. Uh, you've got to play that in, in, into your strategy. These last four tournaments, I won the Beaver Lake Open, the Walmart Open at Beaver Lake back in May. And after then, I've kind of rolled the dice a little more, and I went more to uh, power-type techniques. You know, you're flipping, you're pitching, you're spinnerbaiting and stuff. I tell you what, I've barely gotten checks a lot of places because I've laid my spinning rod down. And I guarantee you that's why, too. So I'm starting to play back in, and my mind's rolling after this Champlain deal I came off of here a few days ago. Didn't do so well there. Didn't pick my spinning rod up any. Well, I promise you, when I roll into Pickwick, I had me at least three spinning rods laid on the deck. Sure, and we're really, we're right here on the eve of that um, as you, I guess, head out tomorrow for practice. But Correct. with that being said, what what are some of your, your, when you talk about these finesse presentations, help us clarify and understand what are you normally tipping that spinner rod, spinning rod with uh, to target? Um, you know, it's, uh, it's 90% of the time it is an eighth-ounce War Eagle shaky head with a Zoom four-inch finesse worm. In a green pumpkin, I mean, it's something that's pretty standard all around the country right now. Uh, you get a lot of bites on that, and and going to Pickwick down here, you know, we're going to have largemouth, smallmouth, and Kentucky spotted bass. Mm-hmm. And you catch a lot of spotted bass on that little worm, and I promise you at Pickwick, that's going to be a big deal just to catch a limited day. It's going to be a tough fishery. Uh, and as far as my jigs and whatnot go, I use a War Eagle finesse jig. 
You know, I'm backing up on those sizes, especially in the fall, which that kind of tends to, to kind of fall around the fall of the year anyway that you back up on your sizes, line sizes, and, you know, Is that because of metabolism or what, what warrants that, that transition? You know, it seems to me like a lot of the bait fish and et cetera that's around the bank are small that time of year. It's not that big springtime push where you get everything that's coming to the bank that's big. It seems like everything's kind of backing into the bank. You'll get some big fish around the bank, don't get me wrong, but it's not that big push like you have in the spring where there's really a big cycle of stuff running up and down of the bank trying to spawn because, of course, you're not in a spawning situation at this point. Sure. Well, when you're targeting, you know, uh, fish with, with the shaky head, talk a little bit about, you know, are there tricks, because, you, you know, shaky head is just, so across the media right now in every fishing publication and form of media that that is out there but what are you actually doing and how are you applying that shaky head presentation well you know you, you more or less you rig your worm up on her just it's a straight worm presentation and when when the worm falls to the bottom it gives a, a slow spinning motion to the bottom and 80 percent of the time i catch most of my better fish on the fall with a shaky i don't care if you're in two foot of water if you throw it up there and you pick up and it's got it swimming off, most of the time, if you catch a good one, it gets it like that every time. But when you're catching fish on the bottom, you just more or less just kind of drag it on the bottom, just kind of hop it along, shake your rod tip, and it's a you know pretty self-explanatory. It's originally called the shaky head, and I see why. Sure, sure. Well, it catches them. Oh, it does. It does. And then what about as far as the when, when you're amongst... Um, say, for instance, like with Pickwick, you know, where you've got all three species of bass, are you catching uh, all three species out of the same area, or are you doing things that target where you're fishing areas specifically for one species of, of the bass? Well, you know, really, Pickwick, you're catching all three right there out of the same area. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty decent fishery. It's not bad at all, and actually it's coming back really well. It's got a lot more largemouth in it now than it ever has. And uh, but you can catch a mixed bag right there on any cast. It's kind of a it's kind of an unusual place because you can catch an eight pound smallmouth at Pickwick, eight pound largemouth at Pickwick, or you can catch a six pound spot. Well, and that's just I mean to to even be able to have that opportunity and know that that's that those are swimming in the water and that possibility exists. It, it has to get you fired up. Oh, it really does. It really it's, like I said, it's a tough fishery, but you have the possibility to catch some. Great big fish of every species down there that's legal to weigh in in a tournament. You know, when you're talking about uh, uh, fishing the shaky head, are there certain types of bank or structure that, that you're looking for for this finesse presentation? No, really not. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> that thing's kind of a jack of all trades. Man, I've caught them out of weed beds. I've caught them out of cattails. I've caught them out of brush, so you, rocks, you can deep have points, gravel, shallow docks, points. Everything. Oh, boat docks. Yeah, I mean, it... Uh, it has no boundary. You can catch them on a shaky head pretty much anywhere off anything. Yeah. You know, now transitioning over to the, the terminal side of, of the spinning tackle, do you employ different lengths of rod and different actions? No, I, I really don't. I use 100% of the time I use a G. Loomis 822 uh, drop shot rod, DSR, and I use a 822 smallmouth series bronze back which that's the it's only difference there is they're the same action they're two power rods 82 inches and the only difference is the materials for the drop shot rod and the bronze back series is the bronze back series is just a little stiffer if i'm fishing a little deeper water i'll use that rod versus the drop shot rod it's got a little more of a, a, a limber tip to it than the say the bronze back series does okay and then what about as far as line? What, what are you spooling 
you uh, know, I spool up and on every rod that I have for the shaky head and the drop shot both. I spool up 10 pounds spider wire stealth. It's a braided line, and I use a blood knot with a fluorocarbon leader. Okay. You know, that's, that's something that really just uh, has that at least me personally was introduced to this year as far as but you guys have been doing for quite some time yeah uh, now with that leader and 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 tying that fluorocarbon leader on there what are the advantages can you talk just a little bit about why you use the braid and then you know uh pair that with that fluorocarbon right. leader? Uh, well the use for the braid is uh you can you can use it over and over and over again you might not have to change that but once or twice a season mm-hmm. okay so what it does, it doesn't twist up like a fluorocarbon say does. So you can actually use that line over and over and over without having those big backlash type things in there. Those loops that, oh, that yeah. always get get you when, right. Right, when you make a cast. Is, <laughs> yeah, fluorocarbon is, you know. <laughs> not, the, not that great to use on a spinner rod if you don't keep it fresh. Uh-huh. And it is expensive, and so is braid, but braid this lasts a lot longer. Well, and, and that's the, one of the great tips, I think, you know, because uh, I think line from a budgetary standpoint uh you you don't take into consideration often when you're changing line as often as what you need to per se with like a fluorocarbon or a monofilament or a copolymer something along those lines right that can add up in a hurry and if you're able to you know to stretch those dollars out on a spool of line for what six months right i mean oh yeah i mean you can stretch those dollars out you just go to that braid deal i mean uh I know there's a lot of people that went to that. It, it's a lot easier to, I mean, it, and it's so much easier to use, too. I mean, just like I said, as far as the backlashing, uh, and plus, it's braid. It's mm-hmm. strong. <laughs> it's hard to break. And, and if you tie a good blood knot, put your super glue on there, fluorocarbon, you got good, solid, high-dollar fluorocarbon, it's not going to break. The only I way mean, that they can get off is if they shake it. If they shake it, or, you know, of course, you're not, a lot of times we're using eight-pound line. They get you in a brush pile or around a dock cable or something like that. Of course, you know, something's going to break probably at that point. You've got to be pretty lucky to get them out. But, you know, you're getting the bites. That's right. So you've got to get those bites. Well, in our, in our last uh, closing couple minutes here, I, I know, um, like we talked about before, you're, you're preparing for Pickwick uh, right here on the eve of it, and then also, obviously, you're a big deer hunter. Can you talk a little bit about what preparation, uh, just quickly, that goes into preparing for you know, a, a tournament or an upcoming fishing trip? Right. Well, I mean, I try to stay ahead of everything a couple of weeks. I'll go to over, over there to my boat shed and get everything pretty much prepared. So when I come in from deer hunting, say I'm coming out of nebraska i'll shoot home man and i'm pretty much i've got all of my stuff laid out and ready to go i just get in the truck and drive boat truck out of the barn and, I, and i'm gone i've been to pickwick several times so kind of got me a game plan in the back of my head i'm keeping you know i'm gonna stay open-minded of course mm-hmm. but i do have a game plan in the back of my head it's the tennessee river which i grew up on so it's, it's kind of pretty standard stuff to me and be honest with you, once I go deer hunting, I really don't think about fishing all that much sure. so i better make sure that i got everything prepared but it seems to when I go in the fall, I don't know, I've just always had a, a good experience in the fall fishing tournaments that everything kind of, I don't know, for some reason kind of rolls my way. I think a week or two of deer hunting kind of rejuvenates my spirits and really kind of gets me back into fishing a little more. Once I hone in on it, it seems like I, I carry it well. Well, you know, I mean, and we spend a lot of time here talking about, uh, through Jay McNamara's book and that, on how the mental aspects of your game play into that. And, and certainly one could 
could conclude that, you know, that time spent deer hunting, you know, I know you spend a lot of time bow hunting, and, and that serenity and peace and quiet of setting in a in a deer stand allows you to yes. kind of mentally rejuvenate. Oh, it does. It, it does me so much good. And I know I've talked to Larry Nix and a few other guys about it, and they're, and they're the same way. I mean, they're just deer crazy right now. Everybody just go, go, go. But when it comes down to business and fishing, I mean, it just gives you that rejuvenation. It's kind of like you're just a fresh man again. Like you've got a, a new start to the year, but it's still actually in the same year. So it it's really helpful to me. I, I really enjoy my time in the woods and more or less, like you said, the serenity, the peace and quiet. It really does me well. Well, Andy, I, I wish we had more time, but unfortunately we are out of time. A great interview. I wish you and we wish you the best of luck, certainly there at Pickwick uh, here next week. And uh, also wish you continued success uh, out of the tree stand. Thanks so much for your <laughs> well, time. Well, man, I, I really appreciate it. Hey, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Well, Aaron, I got to tell you, anybody that passionate about bow hunting who's a professional fisherman, you just might got to move down a little bit of my idle pedestal, there, buddy. <laughs> well, well, you know, Dan. I mean, the, the funny thing about it is, I actually used to spend more time in the woods uh, than what I did on the front deck of a boat. But um, you know, now since my duties have changed a little bit, uh, and and just timing. But you know, really, I think love of the outdoors goes hand in hand, regardless if if you're an avid hunter or love to pursue fishing. Um, I think all of us have just really. A, a true appreciation you know to be able to experience those things so oh absolutely hey one of the things i really appreciated from andy morgan was the fact that the diversity of the spinning tackle I, that really is my favorite setup for fishing it, you can just diversify your tackle so much easier than using a regular bait cast well you can and you know the funny thing is i loved his comment when he he's i asked him i said you know what's what's the best way or the the most often used way and he that uh, you know that you've had success in fishing or your favorite way and he said you know I love to flip and pitch he said I probably won the most money doing that but then he had to back up and stop and think and he was like no you know that's incorrect because lately you know I've really had to pick up a spinning reel and go to more the finesse type presentations to be able to compete and entice the fish into biting and um, you know I think that says a lot about kind of what is going on just with the education of the fishermen the pressuring of the fish you know we could be seeing some transitions here to where you know the days of the power fishing and just run and gun uh, may have to uh, to step back and, and just do a little more finessing yeah hey do me a favor shaky heads can you explain those for me you know i i can and it's it's such a great great lure and and really the shaky head is referring to the hook and the the weight it's it's basically a jig head uh it's a, a ball uh, normally an eighth to uh anywhere up to five sixteenths three eighths ounce but um you basically you put a finesse worm on there mm-hmm. and like andy was talking about you know he has seen to where that works anywhere you go in the country regardless regardless of geographic location and i know that you know that's certainly in the last couple of years that's something that i've really went to um even if the fish fishing is not tough it's just something that they respond to really really well doesn't matter what species you're targeting whether it be a largemouth smallmouth spotted bass but it allows the uh basically the bait to stay off the bottom and you're just allowed to as that twirls down when you make that cast and it's going towards the bottom it does kind of a spinning or a rotation and a lot of times they'll just load up on that as it falls if they're feeding off the bottom the reason why it gets its name shaky head is you can just sit there and move move the rod tip 
Oh, so basically, it has it doesn't get its name from having rattles. No, it it has no rattles in it. Uh, the the name actually comes from uh, just slightly shaking the rod tip, which ultimately translates uh, down to the bait, and it just causes that straight tail worm just to sit there and pulse. And um, you know, being extended off the end of that hook by about four inches, the tail of that worm just sits there and just kind of uh, pulses. And I mean, the fish just pick it up and just go crazy. Well, that's pretty neat. Well, listen, I really enjoyed that interview with Andy Morgan, and I hope you did out there, folks. We need to take another break. Aaron, you going to be with me? Oh, absolutely. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. All right, we're back on the edge, and it's time to award this week's lucky winner. You know, Aaron, my favorite part of the podcast is right here. We almost named this after you. We should have. I I thought that was in the works, actually. Well, hey, you know what I did come up with, though? (laughs) No. Before we give away this great stuff is... Okay. And we probably ought to throw this out to the listeners, because I'm sure our email lines will just light up when this is said. You know how you want the bright orange jersey? Instead of going to the jersey, I think we need to get you a bright orange do-rag. Say again. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine my. No, yeah. I don't think a do rag is in my uh, repertoire of clothing. Uh, okay. There. All right, we'll keep you. But it's you. worth. I mean, thank you for the thought. Well, you know, I'm. I'm I do have a, a, a minor in merchandising, so. Well, I, there you go. We better give some stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this week's prize winner receives a MegaWare keel guard for their boat valued at $159, which is a super prize, and it goes out to Mel from Mooresville, North Carolina. You know, we're getting a lot of emails from the south. Yep, yep. And we're going to have to get on to, you know, we've got kind of have this group out west in the California region that, that uh, is very responsive, getting a lot, a lot from the south. So maybe we're going to have to start a little competition here. I guess we're going to have to. But anyway, Mel, congratulations, and I hope you enjoy that. That's a great addition to your boat. And the question of the week is from Jeff in Santee, California, speaking of California. And, Aaron, I'm going to let you handle this one. You bet. Uh, Jeff states that he keeps hearing from everyone in the club that he fishes with talking about the brush hog, uh, also known as the creature bait. Mm-hmm. You know, he's tried fishing this bait a lot, and he puts a lot in capital letters because it's talked about so much. He's never caught anything with it. He's only fished with it. Texas rig slowly bounced back to the boat in all types of cover. What way do you suggest for fishing the bait with the most success uh one thing jeff is that you know there are the there's multiple lines of the creature bait the brush hog uh is actually made by zoom which is great i love uh in that particular brand i love actually throwing uh the smaller or what's known as the baby brush hog um particular colors there are going to be green pumpkin watermelon candy uh, are probably my two favorites. But as far as rigging the bait and how to fish that, uh, my two favorite ways to, to rig that is going to be Texas rigged with a pegged quarter-ounce sinker. Um, in doing that, uh, basically what you're able to do is you can cover shallow uh, water cover, such as stumps, um, you know, laydowns, things like that. And it's very deadly when you ease it over the laydowns and then flip it to standing stumps. Also, a very effective way to do that is if you have docks, uh, both floating and standing docks, 
is pitch that off the back corners and allow that to float. And as that swirls down, uh, oftentimes the fish will just, just nail it. The reason why that I like to peg that, especially when fishing cover, is you know, when those fish are nosed into those stumps or to those laydowns, you want to make sure that that bait flaw, falls straight down. If you allow that sinker to slide up and down, although it's great for fishing brush piles, deeper stuff, as you're easing that over, I want that bait. I'm really target fishing. I'm picking out targets that I know and think are high probability areas of where those bass are staging. The second way that I really like to fish that is Carolina rig, uh, fishing deep, deeper structures such as the brush piles. But when you fish that Carolina rig, you know, you don't have that sinker right up against the hook. So as you're dragging that through there, that uh, creature bait is just kind of, you know, frolicking and tumbling as it comes through. All of those appendages that are attached to that, that creature bait are really, really moving and displacing a lot of water. And a lot of times that they can't resist that. Uh, one tip that I will tell you uh, that should improve your success is especially on the brush hog. It has um, two sets of paddles that come off of that and then a longer set uh, towards the end. If you will take a pair of scissors and put a couple notches in each one of those paddles, uh, creating kind of like a shredding effect in each of those paddles, when that comes through the water or when it falls, uh, each one of those uh, paddles now you have multiple fingers on, which will again create more action. So great question from Jeff, and uh, hopefully that helps him put more fish in the boat. Yeah, you know, and actually too, on my worms, Mm -hmm. A lot of times I'll split the tails on the worms just to get more action out of them. Exactly. And, I mean, it's just something different other than the stock standard, you know, take it off the shelf. And I think a lot of times that those subtle variances that, and adjustments that you make uh, produce more strikes. I've seen it happen too many times. Yeah, fisher, they get accustomed to seeing the same thing. They do. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. Hey, folks, don't forget to send in a question or comment, and you could be the weekly in the weekly drawing. Simply send an email to podcast at BassEdge.com with your name and address in the body of the email, and we'll get you going. Hey, we need to take our final break, and when we get back, we're going to be joined with a guy that's got us all covered in the outdoor industry, Tim Bankston from Angler's Advantage Insurance, and uh, we'll see what's up with uh, Tim right after these words. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. We are back on the edge, and joining us today is Tim Bankston from Angler's Advantage Insurance. Tim, thanks so much for being here. Uh, you're welcome, Aaron. Great to be here. You know, Tim, one of the things that I think is often taken for granted uh, in planning a fishing trip or whether it be planning your tournament season or however you decide to take part in fishing, uh, you know, that has to do with boat insurance. And I right. think there's a you know, certainly I found out the hard way uh, there's a lot of differences in coverage, you know, that's out there for uh, not only watercraft, but specifically bass boats. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and some of those differences? Yeah, um, one of the basic differences is the insuring agreement itself. Um, basically, a lot of companies, direct right companies, um, that also maybe do homeowners um, products like that, They'll have actual cash value or ACV. 
coverage, and basically what that is is you'll have a total loss, let's say, um, total out your, your Ranger bass boat uh, that's worth $50,000, and they'll look it up in the blue book, and they'll say, well, today it's only worth $40,000, um, so that's all they're going to pay you. Um, what Angler's Advantage offers is an uh, insurance agreement called Agreed Value uh, Valuation and what that is, it's basically a stated value. Let's say we have $50,000 on your boat, motor, and trailer. And in case of a total loss, um, whatever is stated on that declaration page is how much you would receive. So in case of a total loss, you'd receive the 50000 So that's it's a big peace of mind knowing if you've lost everything, how much you're going to be paid. Sure. So really what, what Angler's Advantage does is it allows for, let's say, if, if if you have the a, a large percentage or even the total amount of, of the purchase finance, it knows that you're going to be covered for the amount that you have exposed uh, through financing. Exactly, right. Um, if you have, you know, if, as long as you're not upside down. <laughs> sure. But then in that case, there's gap insurance, which we don't offer, but, you know, something your dealer could help you with. Um, but, yeah, if, it's a great peace of mind knowing that if, if you know, you have a total loss that in that case you're going to be covered what about can you can you shed some light on because another thing is you know it anymore uh with you know obviously you're assuming the, the cost of the boat motor and trailer and the trolling motor mm-hmm. but now with regards to tackle and rods and reels and all the things that you put inside of there electronics so on and so forth you know contents has to be a real issue because as you're traveling uh, from location to location, whether you're a recreational fisherman or, you know, a tournament fisherman, I mean, you're really hauling around a lot of dollars inside of that bass boat. Right, you really are. Um, you know, you have your Lucky Craft crankbaits, and, you know, those really add up, and um, you have your expensive rod and reels, um, and those in our policy are covered under personal effects, and our base policy starts at $2,000 of coverage, but we can increase it all the way up to $10,000. Um, and on the electronics, trolling motor, things like that, that's kind of covered under the boat and equipment section of the policy. And that's basically, I wouldn't say limitless, but it's we can get you covered for whatever you have in your boat. So regardless of all the bells and whistles that's added, um, you, you can make sure that all that's covered. Right. Yeah, you know, you have the big screen, you know, Lowrance units, for your drop shotting at Table Rock, things like that. Uh, those can get real pricey, and those are covered under our policy under the boat and equipment section. Uh, so that's basically things that we go over at the time of quotation. Uh, we just get the information, um, what you have have in the boat, um, what kind of boat you have. Uh, we give you a quote from there, and we kind of custom, custom quote it for each person. It's just not cookie-cutter insurance. Sure. You know, and then changing gears a little bit away from just contents and, and boat, motor, and trailer, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of um, organization, tournament organizations, even at the club level, or even from the standpoint if you're inviting people to go along with you and may not even fish tournaments, you know, liability plays a big role into that because if you would happen to get injured or uh, hit somebody or somebody hit you, um, you know, what, how, how do you break down liability and know exactly how much you need? Uh, liability is, you know, when you injure or damage uh, someone else's property or person. Um, 
and basically it's an individual decision. Um, basically you have to look and see how many, what your assets are, um, how you'd like to protect them. And a lot of times if you're fishing the tournaments, um, even the weekend weekend guys, um, the BASS event is going to be 300000 that they require. Um, ABA American Bass Anglers on their weekends is 100000 So some of it's steered by the tournament organizations themselves. But in general, just the regular guy just needs to look and see, well, you know, 100000 if something bad happened, that would, you know, take care of me. Or, you know, if they have, you know, more assets and you know, might go up to 500000 Sure. So it's just an individual decision on that. You know, and really liability insurance is something that you want to pay attention to regardless if you fish tournaments or not. I oh, mean, yes. Um, you know, we like to believe that we know those who get in the boat with us, but, you know, uh, worst case scenario is you never know who you might be dealing with after the fact and um, can certainly complicate things and, and certainly put you at risk if you don't have liability insurance. So do you, I mean, do you still recommend having liability regardless if, if you compete or not? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, you have to have basically liability insurance. Um, we we don't offer a policy without liability insurance. Um, so you basically, you know, would recommend that you have to have the liability. Some states actually now require that you have a base limit of liability. Um, but that's, you know, maybe you can insure, self-insure your boat, um, but you would need the liability um, just to be legal in some states. Um, and that's regardless, you know, if you fish tournaments or if you don't fish tournaments. Sure. And then, you know, when getting into, for instance, like boat security systems, you know, I know one of the big ones that, that I really, really like is, is using that locker bar mm -hmm. to, to help, you know, ensure that at least it's, it's not going to make it theft-proof per se, but it's certainly going to be deterrent. And, I mean, we've exactly. seen that time and time again by utilizing systems like that. Are there, do you offer anything that, you know, does that provide a, a, a discount um, sure. in the event that you're using one of those, those situations? Uh, yes. Yeah, we offer an anti-theft uh, device discount for the boat and the trailer. So if you have a coupler lock on the trailer, that gets a discount. If you have a locker bar, uh, that has a discount. Or if you have a prop lock, um, that'd be eligible for a discount also. Now, some boats have an alarm system also. Sure. And those would all be items that would be eligible for an additional discount. So is that done through just the application process, or do you, is it necessary to take pictures of that, or how do you actually you know, get that information to make sure that that uh, you get the discount? Uh, yes, that's done um, at the time of quotation. Um, and you can either just take photos of it. Uh, we'll, we'll take that. We'll also take receipts. Um, you know, whatever is basically easiest for the customer, mm -hmm. um, we'll go ahead and, and take that. So how, you know, when, when you're, you're going through the insurance process, let's say with Angler's Advantage, is is there someone there to actually walk you through and make recommendations based upon the application of how the insurance is, you know, what the need is uh, to kind of break this down? Because it can be a little bit overwhelming and confusing. Sure. Yeah, you can call us. Um, actually, our phone number, I can give that to you really quick. You bet. Um, it's 1-866-426-4555. Uh, and that's 1-866-4ANGLER is what it stands for. Um, 
but basically you can call us up and we have um, customer service representatives that if you have any questions, you can feel free to ask them. Um, we won't really recommend a set limit like on liability or anything else, but we can uh, give you a little bit of um, guidance. Sure, at least provide some parameters of sure. where you need to be in. Exactly. You know, and, and the thing that I appreciate so much about Angler's Advantage is really it's designed specifically for the angler, hence its name. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that are concerned that the companies don't, you know, know the no boats, no fishing boats, but that's all we insure is, um, you know, runabouts, bass boats, yachts. All we do is insure sure boats. Um, and that's kind of another benefit of Angler's Advantage. Some people have everything in a package policy with their homeowners. And if you have a separate policy like this, um, usually you'll have uh, better coverage, plus you'll kind of protect your other coverages with your homeowners and auto insurance. Because if, if you hit a submerged object in your boat, um, that's not going to count against your claim activity for your homeowners or auto insurance. Um, so that's kind of another advantage of you know having a standalone policy like this sure it's it's kind of the specialization approach just like an angler if you know if you're very proficient at, at flipping a jig uh <laughs> chances are you're you know you're going to know exactly what you need to do when that that time comes and sure. and likewise with underwriting i would think with that being your specialty you're probably going to understand that market much better than than just the the major insurance houses who you know have a presence across the board in multiple lines of insurance exactly yeah, you know, you call up and t give us a brand name of boat. You know, we'll know if it's a runabout or bass boat just from the name of it. Um, so th there's some, you know, some benefits for having a um, specialty company like that. Sure. In our last closing minute, what about how long does it take to actually get a quote uh, and actually get the, the insurance put in place, let's say, for individuals who might be changing boats or, uh, you know, are in need of coverage? Sure. Um, to get a quote... Uh, if you call in, it depends, you know, how busy we are. But in general, it would be within 20 minutes. Um, once you uh, went through all the information, it would be about 20 minutes. And on top of that, in order to bind, we would just need the haul ID number, the serial number of the boat, and then we can bind coverage. Um, and from that point, we send out the application and, um, you know, I'll do all the paperwork. But we can. it's a pretty fast process where we can turn it around in about 20 minutes and have have coverage for you and so you're ready to get down the road and hit the lake well excellent well tim i appreciate so much uh so much your time today on the edge and and just really enlightening us on on the importance that i think is often uh forgotten and kind of pushed to the back burner and, and that is boat insurance so again how can uh, can you provide your contact information one more time tim sure um our web address is anglers advantage ins Dot com, and our phone number is 866-426-4537. And I appreciate you having me on, Aaron. Hey, you bet, Tim. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Well, Aaron, i got to tell you, I thought he had some good insights about proper coverage and the replacement values. You know, I know when, I've, when I was younger, I would go and, and I wouldn't really worry about the insurance as much, but as I get older, I certainly make sure that those premiums reflect on what, I, what if something would happen, I'm going to be back whole after the claim's done. Well, and that's, that's a very good point. And, you know, this really came to, 
to the forefront of my mind about three and a half, four years ago. There was a situation that took place on one of the major tours where one of the co-anglers sued uh, an angler for riding in their boat um, based upon because they hit a wave. And whether that be right or wrong, I, I don't want to get into that deliberation, but you know, you just need to make sure that A, that you've got the proper amount of liability and co coverage in place in the event that uh, protects your passengers, but also in the event that you would, you know, hit someone or, um, you know, run into somebody or do damage to somebody else's watercraft. The other thing that he brought up that I thought was very, very good was this difference between replacement slash book value versus agreed value. And mm -hmm. what he meant by that was to go into just a little bit more detail. You know, when you're spending this amount of money, um, on a boat, whether it be used or new, you want to make sure that the amount that you know that you have coverage on is what you actually paid for it, not what someone in a book has come up with the agreed value on that. So uh, the great thing about them, you know, this is what they do. This is their business, working with anglers, and this is their their forte. And uh, they make sure that you know it's the value that that you actually have exposed, not what this this book is telling you it's worth a couple years down the road. So I thought he had a lot of great great information. I did. He sounded very fair. So I I think that's some good insight from Tim. Yeah. You know I can't believe it, but we're out of time again. I know. It doesn't this just fly by. It does. It's crazy. And I know next week is going to be a really, really good week for you because we're going to have Kim Brodeur on here, and I think the world of him. He's what a nice guy. He is, and he just recently uh, requalified for the elites next year, uh, so coming off of a, of a good year, and uh, it'll be anxious. I, you know, he's, he's just a hilarious guy and, and knows a tremendous amount about fishing. Yep, and all you guys out there who are club fishermen or are serious fishermen like Aaron, uh, Brian Hensley from G. Loomis Rods are going to be in. And, you know, when you talk about the Cadillac of Rods, uh, G. Loomis is right up there. No question. And, you know, he brings a lot of uh, a lot of information as far as how to pick one and, and really uh, narrowing down all the hundreds of choices that when you walk into a bait store uh, in selecting a rod. So it'll be, it's going to be a great show. There you go, folks. As well as uh, your, we'll have your questions and we'll be giving away some other great stuff right here on the edge. In the meantime, be sure to visit us at www.bassedge.com. For Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan, and thank you so much for listening to this week's Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.